As a reminder to all of our Empaths Without Borders listeners out there, Sarah and I are not mental health professionals. Although we're professional in other ways. <laughs> and this podcast is not meant to be clinical advice. Uh, this is just our own perspective and our own inner work that we have done. And we hope that you enjoy regardless. Welcome to Empaths Without Borders, the podcast where we make your problems our problems. I'm one of your hosts, Jensi. And I'm your other host, Sarah Mori. Yes. And we should, we were just reminded by a listener that... Multiple listeners. A lot of people don't realize that we're related. Oh, yes. (laughs) I know, yes. It's um, kind of, like, we're related by marriage. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Sarah is my sister-in-law, so she is married to my sister. Yes. So I, I I think it is probably a little bit confusing because sometimes I'll say like your wife when I'm talking mm. about your wife right. <laughs> instead of my sister. Or how do we know each other? Yeah, she's my sister-in-law. So, <laughs> um, but were you thinking something else? Oh, I was thinking something else. I was thinking we were reminded by multiple listeners that we keep forgetting to talk about if it's a coffee podcast or a wine oh. podcast. Yeah, and we've been having to do a lot of coffee podcasts lately simply because of the timing of our lives. Yes. Okay, sorry, y'all. We had to take a short break because uh, Sarah had to make sure that the house wasn't going to burn down. Um, the smoke detector was going off and it was a little sussy, but there was nothing <laughs> to indicate. Just a teenager randomly wandering around, so that's... He's kind of like, he's like meandering lately, I noticed. Like he meanders. Just, he just like very casually like wanders around. I'm like, what are you looking for? Nothing. Well, he's very, he still doesn't really have screens back. Yeah. Um, of his own doing, yeah. but I don't know. Also, just, just in case our listeners are wondering, Sarah and I are in person today. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to go do some adulting things. She did. <laughs> she was very... Big girl. I did. I did I did it all by myself. I did I did um stumble a little bit, but I did it all by myself. Very, very impressive. Yes, thank you. We often joke that Jinsey's like sometimes our firstborn because technically this is something I'm not super proud of, but she's <laughs> I technically could have had her as a as yeah. a child. She was born the year I graduated from high school. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and we often get her for holidays and we joke that we have like... Shared custody. Shared custody with herself, I guess, because no one else has custody of you except us. So we get her basically one weekend a month. Yeah, about... And, ho- and all of the holidays. And all the holidays. I think that's a pretty good custody agreement. I think so too. <laughs> and she's often invited to our family vacation, so... Yes. I really enjoy the family vacations that I've gone on with And you. we enjoy having you because you help a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, poor Sarah. Like, I feel like, especially on, like, the camping vacations, um, mm. Sarah's like, this isn't really a vacation for me because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm having to, like, still cook everything. <laughs> like, it's made, 
much more complicated by the fact that we're out in the wilderness. We don't have like a kitchen, so we're having to like chop things on like the back of a car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that reminds me. There was an Onion article headline. It was like, Mom enjoys doing dishes 500 miles from home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So much fun. Anyway. Back to the podcast. Oh, yeah, we digress. Um, but yes, this is a coffee podcast. Yes. And maybe um, we'll do a wine podcast while you're here. Oh, just yeah. Just to stock and load one. Yeah, so we could look forward to that. Um, because we just joined, this is how adulting we are getting. We just joined a wine club. Yeah. And we're getting a wine shipment once a month, which maybe not a good idea, but we'll see. Yeah. You can always cancel it. <laughs> I, I was in, I did a wine club, um, I think right when I turned 21, I, mm. I did this like wine club. I did it because it was kind of like marketed as being the wine club for millennials. Um, mm. and it was very good. But the issue was is that I was getting sent so much wine that I couldn't drink it fast enough. So then I just mm. had a huge stockpile of wine. And at the time I was living with underage people, which I didn't, <laughs> I definitely may have. <laughs> Tread carefully here, Chinsy. <laughs> They're old enough now. It's fine. <laughs> I know. Well, my problem would be like, oh, I'm just getting bottles shipped to my door. I definitely have some wine tonight. So yeah. But anyway, we'll see. So yes, Chinsy's like our oldest child, and sister-in-law, and all the things. So yes. So what do you want to talk about today, Chinsy? Well, you know, I think that um, you have been like, so there's like been this thing that you've been talking to me about. It's like this kind of uh, like emotional, um, what'd you call it? Emotional coaching, coaching, which I'm really interested in. And I would love to hear more about what that looks like. Yeah. It's something I'm just learning about and full disclosure from my therapist because she's like, hey, you should, which... I actually found a therapist I enjoy mm-hmm. because she's all into research too. And like, she's always like, like, oh, I just went to a seminar on that. And she'll dig through and find like content mm-hmm. and share pages or like, you should read this book. And I'm all into that. Like, just give me a book to read and I'll figure it out. So she's great about that. So she's been talking to me. She really likes the John Gottman, like the Gottman Foundation stuff. He does. He wrote the Principles for a Healthy Marriage. He's all, like, the Gottman Institute's done, I don't know, decades of research and studies on longevity of marriages and happiness and relationships and stuff. And so he talks a lot about emotional coaching. And the cool thing is we'll kind of talk about it as it relates to kids maybe, but you can use emotional coaching in your marriage, relationships, work. Mm-hmm. And the basic premise is that, like, we've been talking a bunch about feelings and noticing your feelings and feeling them, mm-hmm. but it's helping other people do that. Gotcha. I think I'm better at that than the doing it for myself. Oh, interesting. Which is why I'm, partially why I'm going into that field. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can do this. <laughs> I don't know about that other part. <laughs> So the premise of emotional coaching, like I said, is to just, first of all, for yourself to, if somebody is very, say, upset, and they're saying all kinds of things, 
the key is like figuring out the feeling that they're having underneath mm. their behavior. Okay, so like what is like so like what's what's causing this? Like right. what's like the root of it? Yeah, and and I guess we don't even have to know because the point is to like have them figure it out. But yeah, like for me, it's a big shift to kind of wade through people's behaviors. Mm -hmm. Like there's some emotion driving it. Gotcha. And as much as we'd like to think differently, humans are just emotional creatures. Yeah, we try to we try to we try to not be and be like it's all about logic and reason and people can do that but at the end of the day we're just driven by pure emotion mm. in everything we do i have so like i'm i'm interested to see like learn more about the emotional coaching because i do feel like it's kind of similar to some other um things that i have some more familiarity with mm. i don't think i said that word right <laughs> familiarity the coffee's still kicking in um but yeah i think that we could talk we could talk about it um at kind of towards the end but i just have some feelings i have some feelings that, yeah. <laughs> and i i just i think i i do think that there's some crossover with um some of the stuff that i'm kind of familiar mm. with so Cool. So what is it, Sarah? Tell me more. Okay, well, tell me more. Tell again, me more. I'm just learning this stuff too, so I'm kind of. <laughs> Jinsy likes to. <laughs> Jinsy has a, a long background of being an old person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's real. Are you talking about me singing Grease just now? Yes. <laughs> she watched. Okay, <laughs> I'm 45. I don't know if I've ever actually seen Grease because I wasn't allowed to growing up, which was like my era, actually. Yeah. And Jinsi saw it like probably 100 times before she turned six. Yeah, so I watched, <laughs> there was like, there was a year, like, I literally prided myself on this. I think that I was um, seven or eight. While you're like looking in your book to try to like figure out what we want to yeah. talk about next. Like when I was, when I was like seven or eight, I watched Grease every single day for a year. <laughs> like, every single day for a year. Like, when I was, like, seven or eight. <laughs> That's impressive. That's very impressive. I didn't understand a lot of it, to be fair. Like, And I love, like, how, how you've turned out. Like, if you were to watch This is the Gen C that I know, you'd be, like, mortally appalled <laughs> about, <laughs> like, the references. And, like, doesn't he, like basically force her yeah, to do like, stuff and like, like there's some co coercive stuff in there and like <sighs> there's some like like it doesn't matter if she says no kind of things yeah it's like um like in like literally in uh the summer nights it's like did she put up a fight mm -hmm. like <laughs> what, what are you talking about kaniki like should she put up a fight <laughs> like no what are you like what talking about <laughs> oh gosh it was the 50s i mean it was the 80s but it was took place in the <laughs> 50s but it's still not okay it's still gross okay anyways that anyway. was a big digression <laughs> so i guess we could just start with the five steps of emotional coaching because this would pertain to anybody like a spouse co-worker and kind of ties in with all the things we've been talking about and then maybe go into more 
I don't know, kids, like, kids. Because I think we often don't realize how mm. emotional kids are. And, like, as adults, we're all, like, spending decades, like, learning how to feel things. And kids already have been doing that. Yeah, we kind of, like, coach them out of it. Right. Like, we were talking about in our podcast a couple weeks ago with Honor. Like, kids were... we. We're born knowing how to feel and emote, mm-hmm. and adults are the ones who, like, talk kids out of it. And we'll talk about the four parenting styles, which is kind of like, ugh, moment for oh. me. I mean, I think I do some things well, but you'll probably identify with one of your methods. Everyone will. Okay. And then, um, but anyway, kids kind of have that, and we unlearn it. And then we spend our whole adult lives trying to figure out how to reconnect to that. I really do think, and I I think I've said this on previous podcasts, I really do think that we don't give kids a lot of credit for... They know a lot more than we do. Exactly. And like, not not even, I think that teenagers are a different story, but even like kids, I'm like, we really give them the short end of the stick. Like, you don't know what... You don't know. Well, that's what, like, one of the parenting styles, like... I know better. I know better. You don't... One is called the dismissing style, and we'll go back to it, but you don't need to feel sad. It's not that bad. You have no reason to feel that Mm -hmm. way, that kind of thing. I would argue that even teenagers probably know a lot more than adults do. Oh, no, no, no. I agree. I think think that teenagers is a different thing because, like, teenagers, I feel like they get, like, such a bad end of the, like, stick, really, because... It's like they're in this like really weird space where it's like, well, you're still a kid and you get to, you have to listen to me, but also like you're, you are almost 18. Why aren't you acting like an adult? Right. It's like in the same breath right. we're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Why can't you be more like an adult? Yeah. It's like, that's just dumb. And I've always chuckled at like parents go around and we're like, teenagers think they know everything. I'm like, I think they do actually. Like, have you ever gone back? My mom always saved all of our things, like papers and stuff. And if I were to go back and look at the homework I did as a high school or college student, I'm like, how did I know all of this stuff? <laughs> I was like way smarter then than I am now. <laughs> like, okay, I have some more wisdom now, but I think teenagers actually know a lot because mm. they are living in both worlds where they're gaining knowledge and... Like but they're still about, like well, thinking about how it applies to right. like, and they're rooted in that like that in innate knowledge they were born with that they're outgrowing. So they're connected to both worlds in that moment, and we're like, they think they know everything. Mm-hmm. They probably do. <laughs> I well, I, yeah, and I just think it's like, I know, I don't know, just like thinking about. Well, you know the saying like. The older I get, the less I know. I don't know know that thing, but yeah. Because you start to realize that you don't know anything. But we Mm. take it and be like, oh, see, as young kids, we thought we knew everything and we don't. Mm. But in a way, it was like just a more confident knowledge. Well, yeah. Or even like, I just think of, um, this is a little bit, a little bit digressy, but um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that society teaches us and like, kind of like unteaches us from when we were kids. Like I even think of there was 
um, this was a couple of years ago. Actually, it was probably like 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. What, where did that time go? Um, <laughs> like, I think that Dove did a whole bunch of, not sponsored by Dove, but Dove did a whole bunch of um, ads. But we could be. But we could be <laughs> if you would like to sponsor us, Dove. Um, they did a whole bunch of ads where they, it was like women empowerment ads. Oh, yeah. And one of them was where they asked kids and um, adults to like run like a girl. And like all the adults did like this like, Kind of like dainty, quote unquote, like bimbo y, like run. Right. And, and the kids just ran like normal right. because, like, to them, it wasn't, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to them, it wasn't like there wasn't these ideas like, oh, this is what it means to right. run like a girl. Right. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. So, anyways, so the five steps the five steps to emotional coaching. And again, you can use this for adults. And it's, extremely helpful when you're confronted with like I think difficult situations and I want to talk about that part more later but it takes effort and patience this is what the book's saying by John Gottman and they also say so my sister and I were talking about Gottman and she's a therapist and she's like I actually went to one of his conferences and at the end I felt like I'm the shittiest parent alive because I'm like (laughs) Not doing any of this right. Oh. But they talk about if you can do, it's it's extremely hard and you have to be very centered when you're doing it. Like your emotions aren't playing in. Like you can just be observing someone else's, which sometimes with kids that's easier to do. Um, But they say if you can even do it a quarter to 40% of the time and be cognizant of like Mm -hmm. these things you're doing pretty much as good as you can do. So we can't expect to be in this space all the time because we're not robots. We have our own feelings and emotions that are getting in the way, and those are totally relevant too. So I'm putting that out there to be like, don't beat yourself up if you're like, I can do this like one out of four times kind of thing. Like that's probably enough to get someone else to learn Mm -hmm. how to help their own emotions. Okay. So you need to be aware that this person has emotions behind their actions. Recognize that emotions are an opportunity to connect. Listen with empathy. Help them name their emotion. And then for, I think still for everybody, set limits and find good solutions. So. Cool. Step one is really... Empathy, like empathy and guidance, like sounds like you're really upset. Validation is super important. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know how you must feel. Um, I think for me, the validation piece is always good. Like, even when I have to self-validate, that's been helpful to oh, me. Yeah. Like, I just kind of tell myself, like, anybody would feel this way. Or like, I know that I'm not the only one who feels like this Mm. right like like, yeah yeah I do think that that's um a really interesting one I think you know just from my experience um working in um like a residential space I would always try to avoid saying I know what you're feeling right because like 
well, first of all, the kids that I worked with would be like, you do not know what I'm feeling right yeah. now. And I'm like, yeah, you know, actually you're right. Like it took me a while to like recognize right. that I don't know. I'm like, cause just because we all experience the world in a very specific way. And even if we have similar experiences, it doesn't mean that, um, I have the same, right. I'm processing it. The same well, way. there's a, it's an interesting nuance of like, I know what you're going through versus I can identify with the feeling you're having. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like I've been angry too when people have done things to me. Yeah. And so it is, it is very nuanced. And so I would kind of shift from being like, I know how it feels to being, um, wow. Like it's like, I can see that you're really frustrated. I would be frustrated as well. Right. And that's a great point. Like sometimes validation can be super hard because if you are if you as the observer of someone else's emotion you're finding it hard to be like you're like it's an overreaction Mm -hmm. then you can't necessarily be like yeah I would be that mad too because you're like no I wouldn't (laughs) be that mad but you could then just start naming it like Mm -hmm. I see how upset you are Mm -hmm. um it must be upsetting to, and that maybe getting into that in a little bit of like, sometimes there's situations where the person's, it's like emotions are always justified, but behavior isn't. Yeah. Go back to our podcast. Behaviors yes. aren't feelings. <laughs> I don't know what number And sometimes <laughs> when you're dealing with someone who's having like way out of control emotions that are and then the problem is that those emotions aren't stemming from a true thing. Like, they're upset from something that didn't actually happen. So then you're having to validate their emotions with, without validating the situation. Mm, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. super shit. So we'll talk well, about Well, and that's that. like, it just takes a lot of practice to, right, to, to like do that. sort. Because it's like it's a hard. lot. It can be a lot. So with kids... Um, Especially like recognizing that they're having emotions and then using that as the connection, right? And then kind of validating what they're feeling because that way you're helping that kid understand that feelings aren't bad. Like we've been talking about this whole time because when we're like, don't be upset about that. Yeah, don't throw something because you're upset, but you get to be upset. You get to feel things. And then... um and then you're also giving names to feelings. And we've talked about before, like how most adults kind of label negative feelings mm. as negative, right? <laughs> like yeah. we're like, oh, these are bad. Like I don't, I'm not supposed to feel that way. Or um, yeah. when really like feelings are just feelings. It, like they, they tell us things about the world. They're, right. Like they're information. So... And if as parents we can't sort out a kid's feelings from behavior, then they won't be able to. And so then they start linking that the feeling is bad. And then you grow up suppressing your emotions. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good at all. I would never do that. (laughs) No. Who who does that? (laughs) Okay. Um. Research has found that children raised by parents who value and guide emotions do better in many ways. These children f- form stronger friendships. They do better in school. 
They handle their moods better, have fewer negative emotions, and bounce back quickly from emotional events, and they get sick less often, which ties into the body-mind connection. Yes. And it's interesting, I, we hadn't finished this podcast, but my wife and I were listening to a Megan Kelly podcast, and she was interviewing this author. The Body Keeps the Score? No. Oh, that's it was a good book. The happy, yes, that's another good book. About happiness and like how like older people as they, most older people get happier as they go along and like the keys to happiness and blah, blah, blah. And we tend to think of happiness as like, or as parents trying to help our kids be happy of like protecting them from negative things. Mm -hmm. And the key is really to get through bad things and conquer them. And I think that ties in with like, if you can help a kid identify emotions, they're going to be able to like identify them and then get past them quicker and then be happier. Mm. And we, try to do the opposite like oh if you don't have any negative like so if I can convince my kid not to be upset yeah first of all that will make me feel like a better parent because we have a judgment I think in our culture that it's our job to make sure our kids aren't upset or to emote Mm. like well there's like like even like in the store if like a mom like has a toddler that's like having a meltdown in the store the mom feels embarrassed and guilty right because everyone's looking at her and she's like i'm being judged you're being judged because you should have your child under control yeah i don't know if you, you've ever tried to reason with a toddler <laughs> it's very difficult and one of the points this guy had made was that as you get older so when you're young and something quote bad happens to you or you're in a negative mind space or emotion you have more of a thinking that you might always be feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And as you age, you start to see evidence that you do eventually, like like it's not going to be the same next week. And so when you're older, you start to um, jumpstart that process because you have something bad happen to you. You already know in a week you're going to feel better. So then you start feeling better sooner. Because it's not like this hopeless feeling Mm -hmm. because you've had evidence that like, yeah, I've gotten through a million other of these situations and turns out as much as I think I'm going to be upset for the next two years, I'm not. Yeah. It's about creating like balanced thoughts. Right. Right. Like I feel this way right now and it's not fun. I know that it's not going to last forever. Right. And so the earlier you can teach a kid to do that, the less likely they're going to stay in a depressed state, an anxious state. You know, we've talked about how much time it takes, like, to just, like, learn to sit with feelings and identify them. So if you can, like, do that as a kid Mm -hmm. and, like, you're super angry right now and just, like, name it, it will move so much faster because our feelings don't move when we refuse to acknowledge them and so I always think it's a funny like irony that a lot of people spend their lives like I'm angry I'm angry I'm angry so I certainly don't want to think about being angry because I'm always angry so if I think about it I'll just be even more but the whole key to stop being angry is to like realize you're angry Mm. 
and then it can like pass through you. This is, yeah, I I have some thoughts about um again this like seems very similar to some other things that I've learned, but continue on. No, go ahead. So like what you're like I I actually no continue continue on because I think that the thing that I, I can like succinctly talk about the thing that I want to talk about, but I need more like needs the further steps. Oh. So you go. So I, this book continuing on what the book says. Accepting, valuing, sharing, and guiding emotions are not always easy, but worth the effort. And again, I don't think they're easy because we don't have the skill set. So we've talked in other podcasts like the best way to help your kids or any relationship is to like learn the skills for yourself. And the cool thing is if you, you know, the Awakened Motherhood program I went through, she's all about typically if your kids are young enough, the only thing you need to be doing is like self-correction mm-hmm. and you're you're just modeling the behavior and your kids will instinctively pick up on it but older kids if they haven't grown up like that might need more guidance to learn it so you know again going back to kind of the steps this is a, so that was all step one which is the emotional awareness being aware that your kid is feeling something okay right Okay. Recognize, try to see the world from his view. Which or her view. I think we have a terrible time doing because think oh. about little people. Like they're just bossed around all day. They have no autonomy. No. Most of the time they don't want autonomy, but they also don't get a choice in anything. Yeah. They have like, they have like adult sized emotions, but they don't have adult skills or abilities to be able to like deal with those emotions right and also yeah like no autonomy (laughs) because because they're little you just like schlep them around everywhere i know poor (laughs) poor poor toddlers (laughs) so one thing to add to being aware of their emotions is to share your emotions with them Mm. and then they're watching how you're handling your emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Connecting. And Does it's you... just, again, hilarious that, like, as an adult, we realize all day long we're feeling emotions. Like, that's pretty much all we're doing is feeling things. But we're like kids. Kids just have to be okay with whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. And so don't dismiss emotions as unimportant or silly. Yeah. Is one of the big things. And I think listening. Is that so like step. Step two is can. I guess I'm like kind of not yeah, you're, doing this. In, oh yeah. You're not doing it in order. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I was trying to. Keep, for once. I, I was trying to keep us in order. And Sarah was just going off. So step one. Emotional awareness. You can share with them. Try to see it. Recognize when they're actually having emotions. Step two. Connecting. Is really paying attention, seeing it as an opportunity to, like, again, share. Mm-hmm. And then letting your kid know that that feeling's okay. Step three would be listening. Encourage your kids to share what they're feeling. Or, again, coworker, spouse, mm-hmm. anyone. Don't dismiss it. Like, if, if Jackie came home from work, 
and was telling me about work story and she's all worked up. Like the wrong thing is like, I don't know what you're so worked up about. Yeah. Like very, yeah. Like not validating it at all. Yeah. Or like you shouldn't get, don't get so, a really common one is like, I know it's stressful, but just try not to be upset about it. Yeah. Or we, we dismiss people's emotions all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, because it's usually because you're uncomfortable with someone else's emotions. Like, I don't want you to feel upset. Mm. And we do that with kids. Like, some parents are like, it causes you so much anxiety Mm -hmm. that your kid is upset because you can't handle your own emotions. Mm -hmm. You're like, I certainly can't handle my own, so I certainly can't handle yours. So please stop being upset or sad or... Or somebody who is an empath and wants to help other people, it's like... If it's something that you like, don't have control over, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I like don't be upset because I don't know what to do to help you right, right now, and I want to be able to help you. And if I can't help you, then like, what are we doing? Right. Um, so I think the key is separating. A lot of people personalize other people's emotions, mm-hmm. and clearly, there's times when you're like, well, you're angry at me, so it's personal. But if Jinsey's upset about something and I'm feeling anxious about her being upset, that means I'm personalizing it. I'm making it about me because it's like, well, I can't fix it. And so, like, learning how to separate that, like, even if it's your own kid, mm-hmm. and kids especially, right? Because as a parent, again, we've had this cultural message that it's my job to fix my kid or not let them feel upset and so if they are it's a personal attack right like yeah. I'm not doing my job I'm a bad parent mm-hmm. but the best parent is a parent who can let their child be upset and not take it like this is on me to yeah. fix it's on you to help them mm-hmm. manage that emotion and identify it and again it's just like this crazy notion that we've been taught all wrong yeah it's not like okay i'm gonna help you calm down even that like calm oh you're being upset i'm gonna help you calm down so you're not upset like yeah that's not necessarily helping i think so like this reminds me of kind of like a i have lots of little just like fun phrases that i picked up okay (laughs) this is like like ukraine is the ohio (laughs) ukraine is the ohio (laughs) you guys just like the ohio of russia (laughs) Uh, <laughs> no context will be given. Um, but, uh, no, so be curious, not furious, right? Mm. So I think that's a really good one. Like, instead of being, and not, like, actually furious, it's just, it just rhymes, okay? That's the only reason why it's fun, I guess, because it rhymes. But sure. <laughs> so be curious, not furious. So, like, rather than having, like, a big like emotional reaction to something or and like by reaction I mean like you can still have emotions about what somebody else is feeling or like what they're doing but like watching how you behave on those emotions right. so like it's it's let's take like the um the toddler in the uh the store analogy mm-hmm. right so instead of like getting really upset and angry at your kid and like um like yelling at your toddler in the store if they're having a meltdown being like curious about like what caused that right, right. so and you know it, it's it's a little bit 
it's a little bit harder with a toddler, especially when they're having a meltdown, which is what I wanted to talk about at the end. But like asking questions of your kid, like, so, so what's going on? Like, what, like, what caused this? What's like, what, maybe not what caused it, but like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Like, what's, or like, you sound like you're really angry right now. Like what's going on? And you hit on a really important topic and I like the analogy of the toddler because no matter what, as a mom, you're going to be having some emotions about their having that meltdown. Mm-hmm. So the first step is just getting curious about, like, what about why yeah. am I getting real? Like, what's happening in me that's making me revved up that they're screaming? And then I'm like, oh, because people are looking at me, because now I feel judged. Because what? Am, and then if you can get curious about what it's bringing up in you, then you're going to be able to handle, help them. But if you're trying to even do this stuff because then you won't be judged <laughs> for having it like, oh, I'm going to quick fix it so they stop melting down um, so that I won't be judged and I won't feel yucky, it's probably not going to work. So the first step is like, oh, yeah, it's because when people are in a grocery store and the kid's melting down, they tend to judge you. Is that a real thing? Probably. And... Do I know that's true? No. I know my kid and I'm okay and so now I can help this kid identify like, oh, sounds like you're really upset that I won't let you have X, Y, Z. And sometimes just naming it, like a toddler, like you said, might, you're not going to reason or even be able to name, but just throwing it out there and being like, yeah, sounds like you're super upset and you scoop them up and you throw them in the basket anyway. I think one of my, one of the funniest things, like there was like, <laughs> there's like, it's like a listicle and it's, um, reason why my toddler is, was crying. Oh yeah. And they're so funny. It was like, she's crying because I can't put the, I was like, what was it? Like, like, it's just like, they're so funny. I, I don't have my phone. I would look them. I, I didn't let up. her take a ride in the washing machine. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> I, because um, cause unicorns aren't real. Right. Or like, my n- name's not mom or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. So you're, you're probably just going to, like, with a toddler age, it's like, you just sound really upset. Like, just throwing the name of the emotion out there. Yeah. And that's a great time to, like, so step four is naming the emotion. Mm. Um. And then... Oh, that was a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't plan that at all. And you can go back and validate, like, even with the toddler throwing a, a fit, like, oh, it sounds like you're super upset. I guess I would be really upset if I couldn't have something I wanted yeah. to. That would make me mad. Yeah. That's yes. it. Absolutely. Um, Yay! And then step five is finding good solutions. And I think that's where... Um, it's hard to like figure out because like yeah again with the toddler throwing a fit like we can talk about emotions all day long but if your kid's still misbehaving then because of the emotions there might have to be a a limit or a solution like mm-hmm. like what we've started saying is like you get to be as mad as you want you just can't hurt anyone or anything so feel free to go in your room and scream mm-hmm. but if it crosses a line of you're going to slam our door or even calling someone hurtful things. That's not okay. So that's setting a limit. Like 
you can have the feeling, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to figure out how to deal with that in a way that doesn't cause damage. I really appreciate that you mentioned um, not just like physical hurting, but like emotional hurting. Yes. Because that's like very, it's like you can you can be as mad as you want, but you don't get to hurt people emotionally or like verbally. Right. <laughs> Which is huge because I think we think physical hurting is like the worst. Yeah. But it's not. No. Emotional abuse is like, it's so can be a lot more damaging because it's so subtle sometimes, and so then you're like, well, mm-hmm. no one put a mark on me. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. Okay, this is kind of a <laughs> tangent, but not really. But even the court system, like, there's really no way for the court system, like with child custody cases, to label emotional damage, and so they simply rely on physical harm to kids Mm. and you can have a parent that's emotionally abusive or emotionally manipulative but it's so hard to quantify yeah that it and it can be so much more damaging but it just doesn't get to count it's like it's like this it's the same thing with i mean it's not just with kids it's like the same thing with um cases of domestic violence or intimate partner violence like violence isn't just physical i think it's the one that um people think about them like the most and there and to be fair there is there is a lot of like emotional abuse that goes along with physical abuse right like just the act in of physical violence in and of itself in, invokes like an emotional response yeah but you're correct like there's things like that are less tangible that um are it's like really difficult to um i guess like define that in the courts and then um have like a policy or a uh, like best practice for how you deal with that or right even something like a lot of like one that I think a lot of people don't realize is like financial abuse is like a big mm. issue when it comes to intimate partner violence right, right? yeah like and people don't realize that and emotional abuse can be so not only settled if like pinpoint but the repercussions are so far down the road mm-hmm. that it's like you know it's not this instant thing that happens to someone with trauma yeah and that goes into what i want to talk about at the end but okay (laughs) oh and i was just gonna say emotional um abuse i think we even try to make that tangible like oh it's about if someone name calls or Mm -hmm. it's like oh you're so stupid but it can be a lot more subtle than that oh absolutely there's a lot of nuance that goes into it and you know going back to like kids Again, kids know a lot more than they than we think that they do, mm-hmm. and they can like pinpoint the thing that is like your biggest insecurity. Yes, and then like target it with like a very like surgical precision. Yes, because they're watching. <laughs> they are. They know. So I'm gonna quick read through some of the parenting styles. Okay. And again, I think it can expand beyond parenting, like. If you have a friend or a spouse or a coworker that, like, we dismiss, like, these styles can relate to any relationship, I think. So the first one is the dismissing style. The parent says, you don't need to be sad. It's not that bad. Put a smile on your face. There's no reason to be unhappy. Okay. Especially when you think it's, like, not a big deal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get it. Like, like oh, it's just a... It's just a pack of gum. Right. Why are you getting so upset? Yes. 
The child feels or the other person feels ignored and disregarded when you have strong feelings. She learns to believe that emotions such as sadness and anger are bad and need to be fixed quickly. She doesn't learn how to handle her emotions and has trouble with her feelings when she's upset. There's no such thing as a bad emotion. It's how we handle our emotion that matters. And the quote underneath the picture is like, where's my happy girl? Oh. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> I don't I don't like that. Um, Second style, the dismissing style. Just wait. get over it. No, that's the first one still. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, those are, those are the same ones, Sarah. <laughs> just get over it. But that's, that's another, yeah. Just get over it. These are more examples. Oh, here's another example. It makes me sad when I can't go to grandma's. The parent might say, don't be sad. You'll see her in a couple weeks. Let's go play. Oh. I think we've done, we've all done that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think it's because we often feel uncomfortable if the children are sad or angry. And that's like, don't be sad. Let's, and that's where we get into really trouble. Like, don't be sad. Here's some ice cream. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's go do something else. Like we're trying to distract. distract. We said distract at the same we time. We did. That was weird. <laughs> As a result, kids might ignore emotions. We try to fix children's moods or try to distract them. What what ends up happening, we suggest to the child that their emotions cannot be trusted. Mm. Which I think happens to a lot of people. Like, then you're always confused. Like, I'm feeling something, but someone's telling me I shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So maybe my feelings aren't accurate. Gotcha. And then you're also discouraging someone from coming to you because they're like, well, she never takes me seriously. Next okay. one. The disapproving. The disapproving style. Bad emotions are punished. Stop feeling that way. You have no reason to be sad. No one wants a whiner around. If you keep that up, you'll be in trouble. The quote is, quit pouting, you're the big brother. I know, that's the one that I made the face at. <laughs> <laughs> a child feels that something is wrong with him if he gets upset or sad. He's criticized or punished for showing emotions, even when he does not misbehave. Mm. So some of this stuff, yeah, it's like, we're not even talking about bad behavior that you have to like mm. sift through. It's like reading an emotion on someone's face is so uncomfortable that you're like, stop! You gotta stop. Don't do that. And and then parents go to punishing. So then you don't learn how to handle strong feelings and you can struggle with friendships. You shouldn't feel that way. Don't be a brat. Stop it right now. That's it. If I hear any more crying, you'll be in trouble. Now, not only is this kid angry about something, but she's in trouble for feeling that way. Mm. Um... So, research shows that children raised by disapproving parents can have more difficulty trusting their own judgments, grow up feeling like something's wrong with them, are more likely to suffer from lack of self-esteem, have trouble regulating their emotions and solving their own problems, has dif more difficulty concentrating, learning, and getting along with peers. Okay. Ooh, that's bad. Ooh, the laissez-faire. The laissez-faire, mostly because it's fun to say. Yeah, it's fun to say. Emotions without guidance. A parent says, that's it, just let it out, do what you need to do. 
It doesn't bother me. Whatever you feel like doing is okay. Hmm. I think that addresses more the behavior than the feeling. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that's where a, a parent, like, it's like you're getting half the message as a parent. Like, you should let your kids have feelings, but that means they get to behave in whatever way they want. Yeah. Which, as, okay, I, I've been, I was talking about, oh, I was talking with my uncle two nights ago about Kanye West right now. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, just because you're having lots of big feelings, Kanye, doesn't mean that you get to be an a-hole. Right. And I, I understand that Kanye West has a lot of mental health stuff. That's not an excuse to be an a-hole. Right. It's like, never, mental health is never an excuse for behavior. No. Across the board. And that's where the laissez-faire idea is like, well, they have a mental health issue, so it's okay for them to cause damage or... Well, I think the problem with Kanye right now is that there's like... First of all, there's like a weird double standard with like men and women when it comes Mm. to that kind of stuff because like he's acting just as erratic as like Britney Spears was in 2007 and we like completely vilified her and, and like, she's unfit to be a mother and she had to be under the conservatorship and all this stuff and then when it comes to Kanye it's like well it's just Kanye that's what he's always been like right um anyways that's well that's the laissez-faire like view of like because the emotion's okay the behavior's also okay yeah and I have to let them so they're like that's when you see a a parent who lets their kids scream at them and call them terrible things and Mm. be like it's okay I know you're upset Mm. with me um, they learn that their emotions are okay, but that they can also handle it in whatever way they want. And actually, it cause, research says that causes kids to lack the ability to calm down when they're angry because there's no limit to it. It's like, oh. It just keeps escalating. Yeah, I get to, like, it feels so good to be angry and to let it out, and it's clearly okay to do, mm. so. Again, like punching the hole in the wall. If no one stops you from punching it, you just are like, well, that felt like that was a good release, right? And then it's like, and then you just keep punching holes in the wall. And again, with the punching of the holes in the wall, sometimes it's not physical holes, but like emotional right. bonds and like relationships that you're punching holes. Yeah, in. and that just goes with like the whole boundary thing of like if you have a person in your life that you don't have boundaries with, they're like, oh, I got to do that because I was angry, mm-hmm. felt good, I didn't have to fix it even. I'm gonna do that again. It's like we. It's like. This, this all connects, Sarah. It's, it's like we, weird. It's like we planned this. Like we planned our podcast, which, by the way, just for reference, we do not plan these <laughs> in advance. I don't know if you could tell, but we go completely off the cuff. So the interesting thing is research with laissez-faire parenting style is that kids find it more difficult to concentrate and learn new skills. And they have more difficulty picking up on social cues, and that makes it harder to keep and make friends. Mm -hmm. So. Is this the last style? That's. Oh, this is like the. Oh, okay. So those are like the. Those are like the big three that are like. Yeah. Okay. And then. And then I thought they had the. um, Because one of the. So then kind of what we've talked about is like letting people have emotions, but then the boundary part comes in when you're setting 
limits and helping solutions. Mm -hmm. So even with a grown person, you know, you can, you have to, and this is a piece I was trying, I was going to get at eventually is like, sometimes it's super hard to sort through the behavior and like, if there's emotion underneath that might even not be even tied to like reality. Mm. That is hard. Right? So being like, I could see that would be upsetting if that happened and then helping someone like, that's not the, that I could be, I could see why you would be upset if that, like if that's like from your perspective, right? This is my perspective right. of what happened. There's like, um, we used to say this again. I, I just like little phrases. <laughs> it's like, there's basically three sides to every story, mm. right? My side, your side, and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Right. And it's not to say that, like, our sides are incorrect, necessarily. Or there's... And usually it's not like you both have the same equal filter. Like, someone's yeah. filter could be, like, more skewed than the others. Absolutely. And so that's kind of, like... That's kind of what I was trying to get to. It's not necessarily that um, one person is more or less wrong than the other. Just because of, like, how we view the world from our, like, very specific vantage and through our own lens because of, like, the different experiences that we've had, it, like, it shifts the perspective on how we view things. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, maybe there's... I, I can't think of a situation, but say that you and I are beefing. Um, we would... <laughs> And, um, like, from an outsider's perspective, they could have a completely different um, right. viewpoint of what's happening because they don't know what's going on in our in our brains. And, yeah, so I think that's the thing. Like, I can understand from your perspective, like, after, like, asking questions, like, getting it being that curious, right, asking right. questions, I can see why, from your perspective, you would be upset. Right. And this is what my perspective is. And not saying, like, my perspective is more. This is just what how I've used it. Right. There might be different ways to look at this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm meeting you in the middle. Hopefully you can meet me in the middle too. Like helping bridge that knowledge. Right. <laughs> I'm making weird. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a good, like objective analogy of like our example. So in one of the books I was reading, it was like your spouse comes home and they were so upset at work that day, they quit their jobs just like because they were so mad. Mm -hmm. And so obviously you're going to have your own emotions like, holy crap, why did you do that? Like, that's not a good idea. Um, this is hypothetical, by Hypothetical. It <laughs> did not happen. <laughs> I don't think. Um, so you could like, you'd have to really put aside your own feelings in the moment, which you're allowed to have because that would be a terrible, crazy thing to happen. Be like, something must have happened that was really upsetting mm -hmm. to, for you to do that. And just, like, find anything to validate in that. Like, you must have been really upset to have done something like that. Yeah. And then, typically, once people feel validated, they can start to come back down to the reason and logic level. And then you can start talking about, like, you know, well, now we have something else we have to figure out how to do because now we did 
did quit your job and what are we going to do? Yeah. But if we had started with that without validating, the other person most likely would be like, no, you don't. Because what we constantly try to do is convince someone else that we're feeling like mm-hmm. what we're feeling. And if you're not being heard, that this was super upsetting. Like, no, yeah. you don't understand how mad I was at yeah. what happened to me. And you're just going to keep on that target forever and ever because that person's not validating what, like, because what you want to hear is, oh my gosh, I would have been that mad too. Yeah. I would have quit. So that is actually a very good segue into oh. the thing that I wanted to talk okay. about. I was, that's why I was like kind of smiling. I know, I'm like, because, what's like, happening? Like, I feel like we could have a whole podcast on this just in general, but what this kind of reminds me of is, um, well, first of all, in um, there's been like a big push when it comes to clinical settings, um, not just like mental health, but also like hospitals to do this thing called trauma informed care. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of different like frameworks in within trauma informed care, but one that I really like is the neurosequential model of therapeutics. Have you ever heard of it? No, do tell. I mean, I gave you a book. <laughs> about this for Christmas a couple years ago. I can see oh. it on your shelf right now. The the dog? Yeah, the boy oh, who yeah. was raised as a dog. Yeah, I, I read that. Yeah, so that's Bruce, Dr. Bruce Perry. Yes. So he has this... Um, oh, yeah, I guess I've heard of... He's, he's like, one of the smartest people. Like, <laughs> He's very... Yes. He's very smart. And he... I, I actually went to a conference where he was the keynote speaker. First of all, somebody needs to help that man with his presentation. <laughs> Like, he's, he's very, very smart. He's a very, like, charismatic listener. But he had a PowerPoint. For, it was, like, an hour and a half or two-hour long keynote speech. And he had, like, 300 slides Uh-oh. on PowerPoint. And he didn't ever go into, like, presenter mode. It was just, like, on, like, the uh, like when you pull up PowerPoint so he could, like, see all of the PowerPoint. Like, I was like, somebody help him. <laughs> <laughs> somebody help him. Um, anyways... So he has this like we can again we can, we should we could have like a whole podcast just about yeah. like how um, he tries to explain some like behaviors and how it like relates back to trauma. He specifically talks a lot about childhood trauma. Yeah, and I do have some. I I wish that he had a little bit more comprehensive research when it comes to specific types of trauma, mm-hmm. but we can talk about that later. But one of his like main takeaways is that when it comes to um, working with kids, he calls it the three R's. It's like, it's regulate, relate, reason. Ah, so same, same. Same thing, right? right? So it's like, you can't, you can't skip a step because of the way that our brain processes, right. the, like processes things. You can't skip up to the reason before doing yeah. the... I was just going to say, we love going to reason. Like, it, Absolutely. Let's like, reason our kids out of being upset. Yeah. Let's reason whoever, yes. our colleague, our spouse. Yeah. And um, I actually, I mean, I don't, because I heard it a different way. I think there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of different um, ways that people kind of like try to conceptualize that idea of like how to do, basically it's like behavior change because that's the ultimate point, right? Like you want to help people regulate behavior because mm-hmm. feel you can't help feelings right. so you want to help people regulate behavior i don't i don't necessarily like calling it behavior change right i would call it like behavior regulation i heard i heard it a different way are you ready for this yes this is so much fun so it's you have to pet the lizard 
hug the child, unlock the wizard. (laughs) Exactly. So basically, like, like the very inner part of your brain is the lizard brain. And that's, like, where you feel all of your, like, like survival, like your survival things, Right. right? Like. That's, um, like, breathing heart rate, and if you get, like, really worked up... Yeah, if you're in the fight or flight, you're in, like, the lizard, like... That's when you're, like, in survival. Like, that's all you're worried about. And, you know, you get some some feedback from that emotional part of the brain, which is, like, the child brain. Right. Like, you do get some feedback, and it it does, like, affect your lizard brain. But at the very bare minimum, you have to appease that lizard. Like, you have to pet the lizard, calm it down. Right. So that's, like, in our example, like... You must have been super angry. Yeah, like just or just let, letting them know that they're safe, like that it's a safe, like even just setting up the environment to know that it's a safe space for them to let those emotions, like unlock those emotions. Right. The next part is like hug the child. So you have that's like relating to the child, um, like talking to them, trying to like use your relationship to comfort them, mm-hmm. and only then can you unlock the wizard, which is like. The wizard brain. Right. Which is like the higher level thinking, like the reason logic. So setting limits, like, again, that's fine. We can't hurt people or things. Yes. Um, yeah. How can we help you, you know, like, or if a kid's upset that they're not making friends. I see that really painful. Yeah. I've been there. Mm-hmm. How, you know... Reacting this way might not be the best thing to do. How can we... Like, what can we do to help you? Like, what, what could be helpful for right. you? And even, like, you know, I think that for, for for younger kids, it's helpful to have, like, some ideas. It's not just all them. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of what that reminds me of. And, again, I feel like I could have a whole... I love Bruce Perry stuff. Yes, me too. Um, I We can tell a story about how I have been trying to get... Jackie, I've been trying to get Jackie to like read like that book and like talk about, <laughs> I want to like, I want to talk about this with you, but then she like didn't. And then finally she's like, oh my gosh, like I read this book by this guy, Dr. Bruce Perry. I was like, <laughs> Jackie, I've been trying to tell you about it for years now. <laughs> yeah. it, that's how it works. That is how it works. <laughs> and there's just like when we read books, like all these things tie together, but sometimes just one way of saying it, like both of these methods are the same. Right, like yeah, listen, validate, listen, connect, yeah, help, same thing. It's just all different. Yeah. Um, but anyways, two things. Yeah, I think I think that we can do a whole one just on Bruce Perry because, well, trauma, yeah, trauma informed and like, I have read the body keeps. Body keeps a score. Keeps a score, or I'm like halfway through. You know how books? Side note, like (laughs) (laughs) they get. You're like, I start reading, I'm super excited, and then they kind of lay out the whole thing. You're like, yes, yes, yes. And then the whole middle of the book, like 75% of the middle is like dry research and like hammering the point over and over. And you're like, okay, you've already sold me. (laughs) And then at the very end, it's kind of like, and now here's what to do. And you're like, that's what I needed to hear. Anyway, so I think I get stuck in books like that because mm. the body keeps score is a lot of that. Like, okay, you've convinced me yeah, that this is a thing. So now I need to like learn how to like, how do you undo when you're traumatized and like getting over trauma? Um, so back to kind of like, val- like 
in situations where it's extremely hard to validate, especially I think in situations where you're being attacked, like to be able to be in the present state of mind to like find that other person's emotions mm -hmm. can be really challenging. So it's not for the faint of heart to be like, I think you're just really upset right now. Sounds like it. Or like the example of like someone quitting a job and you're like relying on their income to live kind mm -hmm. of thing, like finding that emotion. At the same time, it's super important not to validate the behavior. Yeah. Again, like it's very nuanced. It's <laughs> because you don't want to validate something that's not, that shouldn't be validated because you're actually causing more damage because you're reinforcing like if you were to say instead of, I could see you had a really upsetting day mm -hmm. that you would quit your job versus, man, that was so upsetting. It was like anyone would have quit their job. Like you're validating their action. Mm. Or yeah. or like a kid, like going back to the kid, like I, you punched your brother. You must have been super upset to do that. But you can't validate. And it's not okay. Right. To not, it's, or you could say any, I've been that upset, but you can't say you can't, anyone would have punched your brother yeah. if they had done that. No. <laughs> and also trying to avoid the word, but, cause then like, cause we, we, we I think we talked about yes. this in a lost podcast. Um, <laughs> good luck finding that lost podcast, everybody. <laughs> um, I think we talked about it in a lost podcast, but, oh, I said it, but <laughs> the word, but is, um when it comes to this kind of, again, it's really nuanced. If you say the word, but all the validating that you did before mm. kind of loses its strength. Yeah. Cause if you say, Sarah, I can understand why you were upset enough to punch your brother, mm. but it's not okay. Like you lose that validation. Right. So, um, so instead saying, Hey, Sarah, it sounds, it looks like you were really upset. Um, cause you know, you punched your brother. And it, that's, it's not okay to punch your brother. Mm. You can have those feelings. Right. It is not okay to punch your brother. Have you ever punched your brother? I, we never hit each other when we were little. Oh. Um, a couple, I know this is probably going long, but it's such a fascinating topic. I have other, another excerpt from a Gottman Institute book about, I think it, relates more to older kids like say your kid isn't talking about their feelings or you don't know like what they're feeling um one thing is like just sitting with your kid when they're sad and just waiting for them to share instead of pushing it and you can just kind of like um sit with them mm -hmm. like you might not even be able to do all of these steps if you don't know or if they're not willing but you also shouldn't jump to solving your child's problems so like phrasing things as questions like what do you think you should do about this mm -hmm. the other thing it talks about is like with kids imagining how you would talk to a friend if they were being upset you wouldn't be like that's stupid don't be upset about that you'd be like you're, you're trying to like relate to a friend, right? Like we, mm. with friends, we want to be connecting all the time. So we're like trying to like, oh yeah, man, that sucks, right? Yeah, or I'm like, 
that's BS. I would be mad. Like, I'm mad for you. Right. But we don't do that with kids. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, this is a great one. You recognize the value of friendship is worth the effort you put in. If your friend left their umbrella at your house, you don't call them and say, what's wrong with you? You're so stupid and forgetful. No, you'd say... I don't know about you, but I definitely do that with my friend. <laughs> you'd say, hey, I'm you left kidding. your umbrella at my house. Do you want me to drop it off or can you pick it up? Yeah. And that's communicating respectfulness, mm -hmm. and we often don't do that with our kids. Yeah. Even something as simple as, like, like yesterday, um, was it yesterday, two days ago, one of your kiddos had, like, some trash that they left on the uh, counter, mm -hmm. and I was just like, hey, do you want to take care of this? Right. And that was it. Yeah. I didn't say, you left this on here. Ah, oh, you're, I'm the only one who picks up around here. Why can't you, you never do this, or you never do that. You would never treat a friend like that because you value the friendship. Even if that probably, say you had a friend who consistently did that. Like, let's just relate this to kids. Like, every time your friend came over, they left their shoes, right? I'm keeping those shoes. <laughs> just kidding. If it was really your friend, you'd either, like, overlook it because your friendship's more important than ever mentioning it. Or just laugh at them. Or you'd laugh. You'd, you'd be like, like, that's just Sarah. That's just Sarah. She just leaves her shoes. <laughs> It's like kind of a cute thing or like, um, or you just start teasing him, but you wouldn't be like this, you know, this talks about barriers to emotional communication or emotional coaching. And it talks about the parental agenda. And I think we've touched on it a little bit. It's about, you make it about you. Mm. Like you want your kid to turn out a certain way. And so you're trying to get your agenda pushed because you're letting your own reactions and opinions get in the way of listening to your child's feelings. Which is also like very, it's kind of like, um, I think we talked about this, not on the podcast, but you and I have talked about this, about how a lot of the things that, um, about, again, like being curious about like why it is that the things that your kids do bother you so much. And right. it, what it really comes down to is like things that you are super cognizant of in yourself. Right. Or like, or it's a judgment. Like, yes. If like as a parent, especially you have a vision of what like a good kid or like if you've been a successful parent, like your kid is got lots of friends and they're, like the mm -hmm. captain of the football team and they're outgoing and well-mannered. And so if your kid's not doing that, you're like trying to make them be mm -hmm. this kid. Like, so if you have a kid that's not interested in team sports, like there's a lot of judgment, right? Cause you're like, you see all of your friends, Facebook posts and like, my kid just went to state and my kid's doing this mm -hmm. and like, look how well it, adjusted he is and so then you're taking that onto your kid and your kid might not be that person and this talks about like if your kid is too shy oh like we've talked about that one so instead of like validating like their own fears of why they're not or that they're just introverts yeah. and not like your friend's kid who's like outgoing and writing speeches for the debate team like mm -hmm. it's all about you so like I, um, we could, we should probably wrap up here soon, but that just really reminds me of, um, I have a friend who she has two very high, 
high achieving parents mm-hmm. and um right now her younger brother is uh he's in college and he doesn't really know like what he wants to do he, mm-hmm. he has a lot of ideas and he's a really smart kid he's not a kid he's a really smart person I should probably yeah I should probably refrain those from kids him. those kids he's a really smart person um I think that he doesn't necessarily like he wants to do so many different things um and he is so focused on like the end goal that he isn't uh thinking about what he needs to do in the short term like you know he's like a big picture thinker right which is good we need lots of people like that um I think that her parents are really struggling with how to address that because he's not doing super well in school and again like they're super high achieving parents and they just like they're like but they're looking at it from how is this making us look or like i when i was this when i was his age this is what i was that's a big one like this is what i was doing so why can't if you're not this motivated like i was what's wrong with you yeah and it comes back to the parenting like I had a vision of what a successful parent was. And if my kid's not doing that, I failed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so I guess that's a great example of like, say you have a kid that um, is struggling in school and, you know, you had this vision, like your kid's going to get straight A's, get a scholarship, go to college, get a good job. And that's how you are successful. And like, oh, I've done my job. And your kid is struggling because they're they have underlying anxiety or performance anxiety. Yeah. Um, coaching them through that, mm-hmm. and that's where like then you add in that last step of like instead of just like, oh, I get that school makes you super anxious, honey. And then that's it. It's like adding in the step of like problem solving. Yeah. Like okay, given that you have these feelings and this is so overwhelming to you. How can we help you figure out how to navigate yeah. that? I also think we just have to, this is more of a comment on society. I think that we need to redefine what it means to be successful. Yes. Because it really is current. Like the current definition of what it means to be successful is so rooted in honestly, like, like the capitalist agenda. Yeah. <laughs> it really is like, like, if, if you're like, being successful means yeah getting a job like going to, going to college getting a job getting a house starting a family of your own to then put more workers into the workforce um but i digress but you know what i mean like i think that we need to redefine what it means to be successful because right. i think that um so like i think we can we can end we could probably end on this um so one of my um this isn't well okay so one of my in one of my classes, somebody asked that like posed the question, "Would you rather make fifty thousand dollars, knowing that everybody else around you is making a hundred thousand dollars, or would you rather make hundred thousand dollars, knowing that everybody around you is making two hundred and fifty thousand oh. dollars, right?" <laughs> and like, it was so interesting because I was like, I knew immediately which one I would pick. Which was the last one? Yeah, I was like, me too. <laughs> I was like, I don't. I was like, I don't really care what other people are making compared to me. Also, I am fully aware of the fact that I will probably never make a hundred thousand dollars a year. 
just in general, because <laughs> I am choosing to go into a career field that is right. not super lucrative, but it's because it's not, for me, it's not necessarily about like, I would, I'd be happy if everybody else around me made $250,000 if I, even if I didn't make them as much as them, just because I don't, I don't have, I, I'm not using, um, money as a, right as a measure of success. Well, and that's that podcast I was listening to, like one of the four things that people try to seek out to get happiness is money, Mm -hmm. power, Mm -hmm. fame, and um, pleasure. I was going to say relationships. Well, relationships are an actual healthy way to seek happiness, but pleasure is different Mm -hmm. than enjoyment. So like alcohol? Right. Okay. Like sex? Sex, depending if it's like just to have that instant pleasure, yeah, or the enjoyment because it's a connection. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. That makes so, sense. Um, anyway, but it was re- it was really surprising because a lot of people in my class said the first one, and I was like, right, like this really? idea that I want to if I'm gonna be miserable, it's like a fairness thing. Yeah, it's it's weird. Instead of like, which is probably started in a, in childhood. That's right. like, like in my family, that's like a big thing is right. like fairness. Well, I know we said we'd wrap up, but it reminds me of a story. My wife would say like when, uh, a few years ago when they had to like raise the minimum salary. And so there were people that were making like X amount and other people were making under that uh-huh. at her workplace. And then they had to raise the minimum. And so then the people making under that had to be raised to the, what the people that thought they were making more than others were. So the group A was still making the same amount that before was keeping them satisfied. But now that everyone was making that amount, they instantly became unsatisfied with the amount they were making. That's like, I just, so like I just talked with one of my, um, um, former coworkers and about the exact same thing. And they were, they were saying that, um, new workers coming in were at a higher starting pay and he was very upset about it. And I was like, this is a Bible parable as well. Like exactly. I was like, why are you upset? Like you are making more than that. He was like, because when I, it's almost like this, like, well, when I was at that stage, I wasn't being paid that. So Jesus had a parable exactly that, like, so they had day workers and the, the vineyard owner came to the day workers at eight in the morning and said, I'll pay you a hundred dollars if you work all day. They're like, deal. He went back to the day laborer camp at noon and said, I'll pay you guys a hundred dollars if you work from noon till five deal. He goes back at four to pick up the third set of day laborers. And he's like, I only have an hour left to work, but I'll pay you a hundred bucks. And guess who is super upset about that? The first people. Right. Even though at the time they... Th- they, they were like happy. With happy it. with that deal. Yeah. yeah. That was really that was really off topic for <laughs> emotional coaching. But it's all... There's no tangents in our podcast. Um, I like to think that we... Because this is how we just talk in general. <laughs> um, I still think that it would be funny to just like put microphones on us all the time just to because this, this is really what we do so basically um, we started with emotional coaching and we ended with a parable of jesus in the bible so we really need to do that podcast about how jesus was a leftist yes we will because he absolutely let's was. make that a wine podcast 
Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for listening and stay tuned for our wine podcast on Jesus soon. Yes, absolutely. Um, remember to share, rate, subscribe, review, do all the things. Um, email us also at empasswithoutborders at gmail.com. If anybody has any questions for us, maybe we'll do a um, question podcast eventually again. Sounds good. And um, yeah, also sponsorship is still on or like the subscribe thing. I can't remember what it's called, but if you guys, it's at the bottom of the um, description if anybody would like to. Again, no pressure, but just a little bit. It's just there for you if you would like. Um, (laughs) So yeah. Perfect. We'll talk to you later then. Bye. Bye. It's, I can just get all that off. <laughs>